You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is Thursday night. It is the kickoff officially of the Raiders 2023 season. Yes, it's preseason. But I don't care. It is football. It is on the field. It is played with a brown leather ball. Guys in black jerseys with silver pants and silver helmets will be out there doing their thing. And that makes it a very, very, very good night and day. Welcome back. Scott Branson. Mo Moten with you here. Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We certainly appreciate you being with us. Don't forget to subscribe. Just hit that button, whether you're in YouTube or you're in your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Google, it doesn't matter. Just subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. We appreciate that. Mo's going to pay everybody $10 who gives us a five-star rating. Right, Mo? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> silence, silence, silence. No, uh, but but we'd appreciate it. So thank you. Okay, now we're going to get on to you. Know, not only is this game special because of where it's being played at the Football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, but also because of the Raider who's going to be inducted into the hall on Saturday. And that is one Mr. Clifford Branch, number 21, of course. Cliff, uh, I got to be around him a little bit, Mo. Just a great guy. And it's really, really sad that he's not here for this one. Sad anytime any player isn't there for their induction into the Hall of Fame, especially someone like Cliff Branch, who deserved it for so long and didn't get that call and doesn't get to see it. But for his family... Uh, I'm so proud and so happy for them that they get to enjoy that. But Cliff Branch, uh, I know you all know who he is, but for maybe some of our younger fans out there, Cliff Branch, 14 seasons with the Raiders. And there's so many stats, I have to have paper here, so i got to read to my paper. 14 seasons with the Raiders, four Pro Bowls, 501 receptions, 8,685 yards, 67 touchdown. His breakout year, of course, 1974. He led the league with 1,092 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns. Now, compared to today's numbers, that doesn't seem like a lot, but trust me, in 1974, it was alien-like. In 22 playoff games, more importantly, he caught 73 passes, almost 1,300 yards, for an average of 17.7 per catch in the playoffs when it mattered the most. Uh, both are NFL records at the time of his retirement. He also scored five career postseason touchdowns, Two coming in the 27-10 victory over the Eagles in Super Bowl 15. For the postseason, Mo, Jerry Rice is number one all time. We know he's the GOAT when it comes to that. 2,245 yards. Branch is still number two with that almost 13 yards. Also, for those that you didn't know, Cliff was an amazing athlete outside of football, set the NCAA championship meet record in 100 meters with a time of 10 seconds. <laughs> At the 1972 NCAA championship, takes me 10 seconds to get off the couch. Um, and he placed fifth in the final with a 
and uh, then chose to play football after that. He could have he could have gone on to try out for the Olympics and whatnot. But if you look at the productivity of Cliff Branch and what he was able to accomplish and why it took so long, we don't know. Although he did tell us why. Three Super Bowls. He played 14 seasons, as I mentioned. He even played, and I totally forgot about this, and I think him and I had talked about it when he was in the studio when I interviewed him uh, back in 19. Uh, he played one season in the Arena League in 1988, <laughs> like three years after he retired from the NFL, Mo. Anyway, Cliff Branch, um, he's got all the numbers, all the stats, all of the things that you need to get in the NFL uh, but if you think about what he did, what he did alongside his buddy Al Davis and alongside his teammates on those great Raider teams, he really changed the game and how it was played at the position. All about the speed. Uh, Dan Pompey had a great quote in his column this uh, yesterday, and he said getting to Canton was one of the, is one of the few things that that uh, basically Cliff did slowly. <laughs> and as you ran off, as you rattled off all of his accomplishments and what he did in the meter runs and, and everything, you would understand that if he were playing in today's league, his 1,000 yards, 1,100 yards would probably be close to 1,800, 1,700 yards. Like he would be one of those burners. And not to bring up a, a, a bad moment, but when the Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs with John Gruden was at the helm, I, I believe, and it was mentioned, I believe that. That's what they envisioned, envisioned him to be. At mm -hmm. his best, he could be sort of like a cliff branch. Stretch the field, put fear into the defenders that you're going to have to move your safeties back because you don't want to give them any type of space because if you do, you're going to be toast. And I think that was the idea of bringing in Henry Ruggs, of course, as we know it didn't work out, had a tragic accident. But back to branch, in today's league, he he is definitely suitable. And there's a lot, of, usually a lot of talk about how players would translate if they played back then or if players back then played now. Cliff Branch would definitely translate now, and he'd be a big play playmaker. He'd be one of those. I think he's going to – he would be sort of like what I think Marquise Brown is going to be for the Cardinals this year. I think Marquise Brown, who got arrested for speeding, by the way, yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to have a big year with Kyler Murray, and you're going to see a lot of that magic that they had at Oklahoma. If you remember Marquise Brown at Oklahoma, think about that. That's what Cliff Branch was probably times two. If you're a younger fan, don't remember watching Cliff Branch play or you weren't alive like I wasn't. Just think. Marquise Brown, Oklahoma. Yeah, and and that speed, the whole idea of and and Al Davis pushing that vertical game, what he wanted to do with the Raiders, what they were able to do with Cliff Branch. I mean, Cliff won all; he was a part of all three Super Bowls. And to me, and remember too, and I forgot about this. A, a, a viewer on YouTube uh, messaged me the other day about this. He said, "Remember," and he sent me the report uh, where Cliff. Right before he died, a couple of years before he died, I think he was 69 years old at the time, what, ran a 4.640 at 69 years old. I mean, <laughs> you talk about just unworldly, that's, that's crazy. So the man was, was, was gifted by God with great speed, and he was in great—I mean, the times I was around him later in his life, uh, in great shape, right? So the guy, the guy just kept himself in shape, and obviously during his playing career, he did that. But, Mo, I think so impressive, because you see a lot of guys— who have great careers, who actually go to the Hall of Fame, um, and they don't necessarily have the type of, of performance that you see Cliff Branch with in the postseason. I mean, those numbers in the postseason, when you need a player, somebody could rack up numbers. I mean, think of like a Phillip Rivers, right? Racks up all those numbers, can't win in the playoffs, right? But you look at Cliff Branch, 
what he was able to do when he met, when it mattered, when they needed him. Uh, and it was remarkable because he always came through in big games. He wasn't known as Mr. Clutch because he was just so good and he performed when they needed him the most. Absolutely. He was a big part of that Super Bowl team in 76. I believe that team went 13 and one. Uh, and he, his, his career stretched. I know he wasn't a pro bowler or all pro player past, I believe 1976, 77, but he did it with different quarterbacks. He had Ken Stabler. Uh, he had Jim Pluckett. He had Mark Wilson for a little bit in there, but he was productive all the way through. Now, I know there was some friction between him and Flores at one point. He, he thought he felt he made a comment about being in the doghouse, but he was still productive and he he had a long stretch. And you can't again, you cannot talk about that Super Bowl team in 76 without talking about Cliff Branch and his contributions. No, absolutely. And then I think if you look at the longevity, too, I mean, I know that's that's even more impressive at the at the receiver position. Nowadays, you can see guys have really long clears. I mean, you look at you look at uh, Fitzgerald in Arizona and some of the other guys and even Jerry Rice himself. Right. And how long his career was. But you look at when Cliff played starting in the early 70s, uh, receivers are protected much more now than they were then, just like quarterbacks were, right? Uh, cornerbacks, quarterbacks, excuse me, cornerbacks could be much more physical. A safety could hit you in the open field. Uh, but yet, despite all of that, he was able to play without massive injuries. He was always able to uh, be a game-time guy who could play and contribute, even, even when he was banked up. Uh, and that, to me, is also part of his, I think, his legacy is that longevity and the ability that, that to, to play and to be there for his team. Because you think about all those great Raider coaches and all those Super Bowls, the three Super Bowls, and all the playoff appearances that he appeared in, Cliff Branch was always there. And I think that was one of the things, not only when he retired, but when he passed away at 71, uh, was people were just so used to Cliff Branch being a part of the franchise. Didn't matter if it was on the field or off the field. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, definitely a Raider icon. A lot of people loved him. A lot of people wanted to see him get in while he was alive. Again, all that matters now that he's in. But back to, you talk about his production on the field. I think while he was playing, the NFL adjusted the the five-yard rule where basically defenders can't touch a receiver five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And with that rule, it kind of opened it up for him. And I believe it was John Madden said he could run Cliff Branch on short routes, but if he did, it would be stupid. So they they ran him on hooks, outs, and ups. And it worked for him, and that's when he took off and, and basically became the awful player, Pro Bowl player that we know him to be right now. So kudos to John Madden for recognizing that and helping that guy get into the Hall of Fame. Well, and then we talk about his legacy off the field and with this organization. We know clearly after Mr. Davis died in 2011 uh, and Mark took over, these two were good friends. Of course, the famous story about Mark negotiating a contract for Cliff and his father not being very happy with him over that uh, because they won out on what Cliff wanted. It's kind of that part of that Raider lore. I don't know how much of it is actually true. Mark plays it up as well, so we'll have to take his word for it. Uh, But after his playing days were finished, 
Cliff not only became an ambassador for the team like so many of the Raiders do because they are welcomed and and cheered to do that from the team and, and really um, have a place with the organization throughout their life. But Cliff did a lot around charity with kids in Oakland. He did it also in Las Vegas even before. I mean, part of the interview we had with him was before the Raiders were even in Las Vegas, but they were had announced they were moving. He was already there uh, talking with kids. I did two years in a row of the Toys for Tots event at the Raider Image Store in Town Square in Las Vegas with Cliff uh, and Greg Townsend. Um, here's a guy who just really loved the brand, the team, and what it stood for. And he really went, I think, above and beyond until the very day he died to be there for the fans and to welcome them. Never turned down an autograph, always talked to people. And that says a lot about his character, Mo. Yeah, it says a lot about Raider players who do this because and you mentioned at the beginning of the segment that a lot of these Raider players feel like they were, you know, slighted because of Al Davis is dealing with the league. And now after mm -hmm. their retirement, they come out and they're still part of the community. They still uphold the NFL and they're still grateful for the opportunities that they've had and the NFL presented to them. So for them to turn around after feeling being they're being slighted to, you know, give back to the fans, give back to the league. It's just a good, good thing to see. And that's why, again, he's one of the beloved Raiders uh, in franchise history. And, and as we were waiting for Cliff to get inducted in the Hall of Fame and going back to the interview I did with him, we even talked about, you know, players had already been there. Now, he's there now, so that's good. Uh, but players like Stallworth and players like Lynn Swan, who were on teams uh, that, that the media seemed to like a little more because of, of the ownership and whatnot, they're in there. When you look at Cliff Branch overall – and you look at the top 100 of the NFL, and they did the top 100 receivers and all that, and of course he's he's right up there. Where do you put him in that pantheon when you look at the greatest receivers of all time? Clearly Jerry Rice, number one. There's no question in my mind. Anybody who could argue against that would be crazy in my view. But um, where does Cliff rank in your mind uh, as far as being in that, that top echelon of the receivers uh, that played in the NFL? I think he's a, a level, I don't want to say below, but behind the Tim Browns and the Jerry Rice's of the world simply because they've done it. They did it for a longer period of time. They had a longer stretch of, of dominance in a sense at the position. Mm. Uh, Cliff Branch had, had his, had his uh, four year stretch where he was probably the most, one of the most dynamic receivers in the game. But as you get further on, you see his numbers kind of tailed off a bit. Now it's a different era, but I will note that he, he, I believe he had 6,047 receiving yards in a seven year span between 1974 and 1980, which is the most of any player. So that's why you got to put him high up on the Pantheon. If you're going to put him, I'm not going to put him next to Jerry Rice and Tim Brown because of the longevity that those guys had, but you got to give respect to Cliff Branch and what he brought to the game because you can't tell the story of the NFL without him and his speed. Yeah. And, and I, unfortunate, again, the unfortunate nature of him not being around to see this, it reminds so many of kind of the injustice with Ken Stabler as well. And and you can't control that, right? And, and Raider fans, uh, I think, have moved past it. They're now here to celebrate this. And, and the Raiders and their fans have had a great stretch here in the last few years with Tom Flores going in as well. I mean, it's just been it's been, it's been a nice couple years uh, for the Raiders and for their players to be recognized in the Hall of Fame. And, and it's, it's, it's just such great a feeling to see this guy go in and for him to get his due. So that'll be fun. And it'll be great uh, for him to join the rest of the Raiders there in the hall of fame. And I know there's a lot of fans up in Canton 
celebrating, and they're going to be there on Saturday. And I know I'll be watching, and I know you'll be watching. But it'll be it'll be fun to see how that all happens, and and the speech uh, recognizing um, Cliff as well. Uh, so do we know? I think Mark Davis is giving the speech, correct? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, I got to check on that one. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you know, I'm sure somebody in the comments on YouTube, which is very lively all the time when we're on the air, uh, we'll have that in there as well. All right, that is our discussion on the late, great Cliff Branch. Congratulations to him and his family, especially his surviving family, uh, who are all going to be in Canton as well for this great honor. Okay, we'll step aside when we come back for Silver and Black today, the final segment he makes his appearance. Yes, it only happens occasionally, and it takes a lot of, of cajoling, a lot of effort, uh, and a lot of avocado smoothies. But Mostradamus, the man, the myth, the prognosticator like no other will appear. And he's going to tell us all about what's going to happen tonight in the game coming up next. Make sure you stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. We'll be back right after this on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast.